to today's episode of Juice of the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I am among your hosts, Joshua Tracy. I'm also amongst them, Corbin Heller. And, uh, um, oh, Josh's hat today is a new acquisition. It is it is the Negro Leagues uh, centennial hat. I have the shirt of this. There's the hat. Great hat. Brand new hat. Loving this hat. Josh, you're uh, wearing a hat today? Every day, man. I wear I wear my hats every you'll never see my hair if you're watching these videos. I might be bald. You have no idea. Um I've actually never seen Josh's hair. Never, never. I was born that's, with a hat. Uh that's a false that's a falsity, but it's it's not terribly far from the truth. Love my hats. Um, plus, and again, I needed an excuse to go through all these fucking hats. I have so many goddamn hats. Um, anyway, <laughs> welcome, welcome to the show today. Recording this on February twenty eighth, uh, coming out coming out on March first, which means spring training baseball is back today at one, which is. Right about when we're recording this, the Yankees are playing the Blue Jays in the spring training game. And wow, does it feel nice and weird and surreal that baseball is back. Um, Corwin, do you have any intention on watching spring training baseball today? Yeah, I actually have the page up right now. I'm trying to decide between Brewers, White Sox, Angels, Giants, Dodgers, Athletics, Nationals, Cardinals, or Blue Jays, Yankees. I realized uh, only two of those, only Cardinals, Nationals, Yankees, Blue Jays are actually at one. The rest are at three, but I'll watch those one o'clock games. Which I'll probably watch the Yankees on. just to, yeah, yeah. not going to watch the Cardinals. That's for sure. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's weird that it's so normal. It's so weird that. So far as I can tell from, you know, a fan perspective, it's happening like it always does. Um, They're letting fans in the stands because it's Florida and there's no rules, um, which is evident. Uh, And uh, and they're going to be, you know, doing the thing. There's never usually a lot of exterior people there a lot of usually the people who are there are your beat reporters and then your staff that's kind of it you know it's not like there's usually a lot of you know extemporaneous folks just kind of like meandering about um which makes the fact that it's just happening during still a COVID time um probably work out for the best because there's just not a lot of people around uh, but it's still like weird that it's just how it usually I remember so distinctly last year shit getting shut down during spring training um, and like, you know, reporters asking the athletes during um, media sessions like, hey, how are you feeling about all this COVID talk? Then um, you hear you heard athletes like Giancarlo Stanton being like, oh, I'm definitely washing my hands more. You know, it's definitely scary. Um, and then and then like a few weeks later shut down city um and we entered into all the talk about what happens now next in terms of uh the mlb season 
and 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 instead, you know, this this really has a chance to be 2021's first true taste of normalcy. Um, MLB around a lot of states and cities in the U.S. is already selling tickets to the games. You can buy tickets to Yankees games today in New York for for April. Um, Mets tickets you can buy today for in in Queens in in April. Um, and with the vaccine rollout being what it is, you know, it seemingly is working. I am your boy right here, two parts vaccinated. I I am set to go and start licking doorknobs and kissing strangers. Um, Back to how we were before the pandemic. All right. Which, yeah, was my lifestyle just a mere 18 months ago. Uh, Josh, Josh is the kind of guy when we would go to Yankees games, he would pick the gum off the underneath of the bleachers and just chew on it for good luck. Man, that's free gum. You can't turn that down. <laughs> Pre-seasoned gum. Uh, I actually had a friend who got cold called last week uh, by a guy looking to sell him some Flyers season tickets. Wow, that's weird. Yeah. Now they have to look at Gritty 40 times a year. Oh, I mean, shit, I look at Gritty every night. Just pull up the old Pornhub, search for some Gritty, and hey, I got myself a night. Yeah, yeah, regular occurrence for you. Um, fuck, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, so there's, there's, a, there's a decent chance that, like, you know, this MLB season will be that first big ceremonial return to normalcy. Like, I don't think we're going to see an opening day parade in Cincinnati the way that we t- typically would. In the last, you know, 150 years of baseball history, um, it'll. It, I'm sure the town might do something just because it's such a thing for Cincy, but I doubt it'll be the same attendance and structure that it normally is. But outside of that, I mean, this is going to be a full season, and it's it's going to have fans in the stands, and it might look fucking normal which is nice and odd. I still have so many reservations that I like. We had this talk this time last year. We are in you know, the exact same boat of like, I just don't trust MLB to get it done. I'm scared now that we're at a point where this is now the new normal. And I think people are going to have their guards down and just think, ah, it'll be fine, it'll work out, no big deal. And uh, I could see it getting uh, pretty ugly. But they proved me wrong last year. Hopefully they proved me wrong again this year. For anyone wondering why Corbin got very quiet and you heard a bunch of ruffling, it's because he just tucked his microphone into his shirt <laughs> to have a hands-free microphone really setup. a lot of that ruffling? I so much. It. Really? Oh, shit, I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, it's okay, buddy. It's okay. So if you're watching the video of this on YouTube, there is a, there is Corwin standing there. Hold up both hands, Corwin. There you go. Yep. Yep. Hands free microphone tucked in shirt setup. Oh, gotta love it. I don't have, you know, the, the luxury of having a full mic stand like Josh has with his fancy new mic. So That's I gotta right, get creative with it. You don't even, you're not even, even work on a desk. desk. Or a chair. Yeah. I'm just laying in bed. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I know. Uh, anyway. Listen, we can't all be winners. No, but we can all be losers if we just don't try. Uh, so. Listen, story of my life. 
Oh, of course, buddy. It's the American dream. Oh, sad. So uh, sad. Yeah, but in, in, a, in a really fun and depressing way. So let's uh, let's talk a little life. bit about some some baseball-y topics. And um, one of the things that I've been sitting on for a, a little bit, um, this isn't going to be a very detailed analysis because I kind of wasn't really sure what I was looking to get out of it as I was just kind of like free form thinking, you know, very uh, Jack Kerouac, but in all the good ways, not the, not the bad ways, which is most of the Jack Kerouac ways. Um, but uh, I don't know who that is famous American poet, Jack Kerouac. Oh, right. You forgot. I don't know how to read. So that's true. He's a good friend of Allen Ginsberg. Oh, Allen Ginsberg. I actually do know Allen Ginsberg. <laughs> The beat poet wrote Howell. Howell. I know Sam Howell, quarterback for North Carolina, but. That sounds up who Corwin is. Yeah, that's right. That's right. right. Uh, It's my very literate friend, Corwin Heller. (laughs) (laughs) Corwin Heller, do words good. Yeah. Um, Anyway, the reference to Jack Herrick being that he would, uh, he was known for putting in um you know what it doesn't matter i'm not getting into that uh this is a free-form thinking concept so what i wanted to look at was if we instituted a salary floor um Mm -hmm. where that money would kind of go and that's a tough question to ask because i mean well goddamn, it could go so many different places so i wanted to look at a a numbersy breakdown and doesn't it's not going to quite i'll i'll get into it so, the total sum of uh, 2021 payroll between all 30 teams as it stands right now, uh, this is data I pulled today, February 28th, off of SpotTrack, which, again, can't shout out highly enough. Love SpotTrack. Um, totals $3.5 billion of payroll. All right, three hundred three billion five hundred fifty-eight million two hundred eleven thousand seventy-eight dollars to be precise. Um, Which that is the pirates. <laughs> oh, you want to be sad today? Um, like less than one percent. Oh, by percentage. Well, let's find out. Um, as a percentage, the pirates are one point one seven percent. Oh, so close. Genuinely so close to being less than, uh, sadly close to being less than 1% of that. Man, if only there were 100 teams in MLB, that would be impressive. Yeah. Actually, for reference, how much do you think the um, the most uh, payrolled team, the, the Dodgers, are as a percentage? Uh, if the Pirates are at 1.17... Uh, I would say like 5%, 6% in that range. 6.7. There we go. That's oh, even higher than I thought. Yeah, that's kind of wild. <laughs> All right. I mean, hey, it makes the Pirates look worse, so I can't complain. This is true. So in thinking of a salary floor, where mm-hmm. in where would you where would you personally want to see that number be you know it's it's hard because you know something like 50 million would be 
you know, higher than the lowest team in baseball, obviously. But I don't think that would be nearly high enough to really be implemented and to be effective in what their goal would be and, you know, ensuring teams are trying to put a competitive product on the field. A hundred million is probably a little high for, you know, it would, I think that would create a lot of, I think there would be issues with a hundred million dollar floor just because, you know, at the end of the day, there are teams that just cannot afford that. No, that's, that's just me falling into their excuses. A hundred million dollars is where I'd want it. I don't think the, oh, we can't afford it excuse really holds much water. I think we all, you know, both of us agree with that. Um, you know, obviously if there's deeper circumstances and exceptions to dig into that could be decided, but off the cuff, I don't see why it should be under a hundred million. So this in of itself, I think is an interesting question because, you know, not a lot of, so the, the sport I always come back to when I think of salary floor is the NHL because mm-hmm. I know that they have a salary floor um, and I know what it is. And just to um, pull it up in front of me. Thank you. The NHL salary floor is $60.2 million. The NHL salary cap is $81.5 million, which means that their floor is uh, 73.86% of their salary cap. Okay. Which if you applied that, if we assume that the luxury tax threshold is the de facto salary cap, that means that the N- N- MLB salary floor would, would be $153 million. Wow. So five times the current payroll of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, almost six. Yeah. What's the pirate? No, sorry, right sorry, now? sorry. Almost no, four, almost five. I had right, to do the right, right, right. Okay, my bad. Um, <laughs> I was like, I didn't think they were that bad. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah, they're not. I just massively discounted the pirates. Okay, <laughs> which like they deserve, but I'm still wrong. Oh, wholeheartedly, yeah. <laughs> um, in the in the NBA, let's do some quick math on 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 this bitch. Um, in the NBA, <laughs> uh, the minimum. I have a Alarm that I every single day I forget that I set one and it fucking scares the shit out of me every day because I'm usually at work too. Oh, fuck, I'm so sorry. I'm it's very okay. unprofessional today. Hmm. So in the NBA, the minimum team salary, uh, and this is for the 2019-2020 season, the minimum uh, NBA salary mm-hmm. was 98.226 million dollars, and the maximum, the salary cap was $109.14 million. And that means that the uh, that the salary floor was 90% up to the salary cap. And if you That's take that, crazy. yeah. Um, granted, significantly fewer players. Right. So that margin, that that difference is, you know, one player, uh, mm-hmm. depending on how much. Yeah, no, that doesn't breach max contract. So, yeah. Um, or several depth pieces, depending on how much you pay them. It doesn't matter. Um, if you take that and apply that quantity to the MLB, which 
they, I mean, it's $187 million, which obviously uh, wouldn't happen. And to that point, I would argue maybe shouldn't happen just because that seems to be, I think that would be. Uh, that would be insane. That, 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 that would probably be too high. That, that honestly, I think if they did push that and they did, you know, work to implement that high of a salary floor, that would give so much leeway for teams to severely fuck over all of those minor league players because now all of these small market teams have genuine honest to God excuses for, Hey, we can't afford to pay these guys because how much money we have to pay all these major leaguers. Right. Exactly. And honestly, I, one of the other things I was thinking of is, you know, 150 million which is the number we had, we had said previously, um, that would be a higher payroll than, let's see, uh, 21 out of the 30 teams in MLB as of today. Oh, shit. Yeah. So, Which is just not feasible in any conceivable way. Not at, le- at least not in an immediate fashion, um, just because right, I don't right. think teams would know not that they wouldn't know. I don't think that they would do that spending responsibly. No. Um, in any meaningful fashion, it might lead to some negative consequences. Overplay, overpaying of players, which I'm not saying we should worry about how much pay, players are getting paid, but more so the standard that we're setting for future players to mm-hmm. get paid. It might lead to some weird negotiation stuff just down the road, and arbitration might get weird. You want it to be sustainable for the players so that they can institute growth properly and not have the quantities come back to fuck them at some later date due to weird circumstantial bits and pieces of, of uh, history. Right. It would lead to extremely lopsided teams and contracts where, you know, nobody wants to be paying. Uh, I don't know who's a random fucking player. Just um, Ender and Ciarte. Sure, like back end of the roster kind of guys, large amount of money just to make up for the fact that you know they need to fill out their payroll. I think it would end up with those lesser tier guys making a, a little bit more, and then the top name guys getting major, major increases in salary. Um, to kind of make up for that. Now, if we let's look at a few other different benchmarks. So if we set the the salary floor to $50 million, that only would affect four teams as of today, the Marlins, Orioles, Pirates, and Indians. Those are the only teams that fall below $50 million. So to that effect, I would say it's not, uh, it's not quite effective enough. If we set it to mm-hmm. $75 million, then we get an extra three teams. We go up to seven teams. Now roped into that are the Detroit Tar- Tigers, Seattle Mariners, and the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, but if we set it to $100 million, now we have 12 teams. So still mm-hmm. less than half the league, but a pretty decent number of teams that would have to come up. And you get in there, uh, the Brewers, the Rangers, the A's, the Royals and the Diamondbacks. So I'd say it's probably somewhere between 75 and 100 with either of those being, you know, somewhere within or equal to 75 and 100 would probably right, like be I, where I'd be. I think, you know, splitting the difference, like setting it at 80, 85 would be ideal. You know, I, I don't want to come in. I want to make the game more fair. I want to, you know, increase the parity in baseball like we have in the NFL that we have in hockey. I don't want to 
completely fundamentally change how baseball teams are constructed. I don't want to turn the league over on its head for, you know, five seasons, six seasons while teams figure this shit out. I think, you know, having 10 teams affected is fine. I think having 15, 20 teams affected is way, way too high for what we're trying to accomplish with this. And, you know, I think there should be penalties because I think everybody, uh, maybe not every single body, but I think most of us would agree that a hard cap for the MLB, probably not the best idea because we want to encourage teams to spend money. And in the right. MLB, there isn't necessarily as clear cut of a linear progression between spending and results. Uh, for example, coming into the season, the Boston Red Sox will have the eighth highest payroll, sorry, the seventh highest payroll in all of baseball. Um, solid chance the Boston Red Sox don't come away with a top 10 record in baseball. I, I would go out and uh, go as far as to say I would put significant money that they don't come close to a top 10 record in baseball this year. Terrible sentence. I'm sorry. It, it worked effectively enough. <laughs> so, because because if you're telling me that part of why the Rays don't spend money in addition to them being bad or being uh, um, uh, poorly attended is that they don't need to spend money because of the analytics aspect of it, fine. If you can, if you have finish, because for me, stuff like high draft picks, um, which I really, I guess, is kind of the only thing the MLB really can do because you can't trade draft picks um, in the MLB. The idea of getting the high draft pick is because you're, you're bad. So in theory, if you are winning a bunch of games like the Rays are, then fuck your draft. You know, mm -hmm. if, because if, 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 if you spend above the salary, why is that the line for getting losing draft picks is spending money and not, not spending money because if I'm the Rays, and I'm consistently spending under $60 million on players and also winning at the same time, why the fuck do I need draft picks? So you if we're going to have a salary floor and we want to make it a soft salary floor, like we have a soft cap with the luxury tax, institute similar punishments. If teams, uh, whether teams, because if, if you are the Orioles and maybe you don't have as good of an analytics department as the Rays, well, then maybe I'm going to spend the extra money because I don't know how to get the most out of my players or I don't know how to get the right players. And I'm going to try to do something to keep uh, to preserve the, um, uh, my picks or whatever um, or to maintain revenue sharing, um, because that's the other part of it is if the Rays aren't feeling as though they're they're they they just need the analytics and they don't need the money part of it. Well, Part of going over the luxury tax threshold is an increase in the revenue sharing. So you lose additional money that gets put into a pool that um, lower revenue MLB teams then get to collect from. So if you go below the salary floor, you should lose some percentage of that money relatively equivalent to what you have to give if you go above the luxury tax threshold. And you should probably lose out on draft picks because either you're going to make the calculation of what makes more sense for me, spending an extra however million dollars per year that I need to do to avoid these consequences the same way that teams at the top end have to do to avoid facing those consequences by spending too much money, or you're going to decide 
I'm good. I've got the best analytics department in the country. We've got the best scouts in the country. Uh, we've got the best international scouting program in the world. Fuck that shit. I don't need your goddamn money, and I don't need these dumb draft picks. I'm just going to go sign a bunch of underprivileged Hispanic kids from Venezuela who don't know that $5 doesn't mean that much. That's right. Hey, I'll be American as shady way. as shit. That's right. That's right. The American business dream. Um, and you know what? If that's their choice, let them do it. Because why should the Yankees, the Dodgers, and the Red Sox have to sponsor the Rays while the while all of those teams face consequences and the Rays can just choose to not contribute to the mm-hmm. salary of MLB players at all and just like vibe. <laughs> exactly. You know, it, it really comes down to, you know, we in this country just take too much from the teams that have the most money. You know, they work hard for all that money. You know, they they are in the same circumstances as all the other teams we should tax them less. Sorry, we should uh, we should allow them to make more money. No, wait, sorry. Uh, I'm losing my point here. Uh, I think we should let the rich people just keep all the money and just let the poor people choose to be poor. Yes. Beautiful point, my friend. <laughs> uh, I do what I can here. I do what I can. Um, I... Sorry, go ahead. Well, and the other thing that that I I, I chew on a lot is uh, tobacco. The, I, huh? No, God, yeah. It is the idea that um, all the owners can't afford it. All right, don't let them own a team then. Yeah, like if you are not wealthy enough to run a team. Don't run a team. And like that's the other thing about it. it it's like, and you know, you know we, we we touch on modern politics every now and then on the show. We're not going to get into it, but the idea, you know, right now being debated is the fifteen dollars minimum wage and how that would put out some small businesses. And it's like, I'm sorry, but if the if if that small of an increase, because nobody actually, not nobody, but most states have like above seven dollars minimum wages on their own. Um, so it's probably somewhere between eight and ten dollars for most states. Jersey is working up towards a fifteen dollar minimum wage right now, anyway. Um, and if that difference between payroll for a, a business that employs like six people is just going to put you under, chances are your business ain't doing that fucking great anyway. <laughs> if right, that's like what it's going to put you under, fuck you. You're not running a good business. Like if the defining, you know, foundational piece of capitalism is. Hey, you know, only the strong survive. You know, you, you have to earn yours. You can't just take what you need, blah, 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 blah. You got to earn it. Well, if, if your company is incapable of earning it because you can't afford to pay, pay your employees, you can't, you know, your margins aren't good enough. Well, then there you go. You are incapable of running a business. You shouldn't run a business. There, there shouldn't be an argument there. But again, we don't need to focus on politics here. Right, but... And right, we don't we don't need to focus on the political aspect of That's it. But I think the same podcast is for juicing the Constitution. Ring that bitch out. Um, but the the same logic applies here to ownership. If if the idea of spending seventy five million dollars a year in payroll is too rich of a concept for you, maybe just don't own the like. If if, if no one's forcing you to own a baseball team, nobody, nobody's. And guess what? There's so many billionaires in the country. I'm willing to bet half of them would want to own teams because it's a status symbol. 
that's the whole reason really great investment (laughs) yeah first off it's one of the few it's like a it's like a fucking bond it always goes up it makes no sense um and and what's that guy who owned the clippers that had to sell them because he was a racist man oh yeah uh roger sterling sterling yeah roger sterling um the whole reason he bought the Clippers was because a guy he knew bought the Lakers and was like, oh, Roger, you should buy a team. It's awesome, man. And then he really? bought a team. Yeah. I thought it was because he was just super racist and wanted to own, quote unquote, black people. But no, that, apparently the dude who bought the Lakers um, was like an old protege of his and really was getting and because he bought the Lakers, they were in Los Angeles and Roger Sterling was like a, and it was like an L.A. guy. He was an L.A. real estate guy. Um he was getting really fucking annoyed that this dude he know he knew who was younger than him was like beloved around LA because it was like that was in like the Magic Johnson era Lakers when they were like winning every other goddamn year. And huh. this and Roger Sterling was looking at this dude and he was like, fuck this shit. LA is supposed to be my town. I'm supposed to be the beloved guy in LA. So he bought the Clippers who were down in Sacramento at the time, I think. Really? Um and then move them up to LA in like the middle of the night, like full on Baltimore Raven style um, to try to make himself the next like cool owner in M- in NBA, but then did, didn't just didn't give a shit because to him it was a status symbol thing. Wow. Hearts and minds. Am I right? Jeez. Yeah. I, was, I listened to like a 10 part podcast about this shit. It was really? fascinating. Yeah. It was That's really, fantastic. really interesting. Um, yeah. Roger Sterling, terrible guy. <laughs> Was yeah. the takeaway terrible guy? Um, that is uh that is one of the few things that is universally not up for debate in sports. Real piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, not not at all, um, not at all for it's, debate. It's one Definitely of those rare times where you know sports fans who you know are notorious for never being able to agree on anything. Everyone universally was like, yeah, okay, now we need to get rid of this guy. This is bad for everyone. Yeah. Everyone is just getting fucked over by this guy. But anyway, bringing it back to the point, if you can't spend between 75 and $100 million on a team, that either means that you're, one, not just not running the team well enough, um, or two, you just you just ain't fucking rich enough to own a fucking team. Right. I mean, like, you know, everyone saw what the Yankees' uh, uh, margin between payroll and revenue was when George Steinbrenner ran the team pre-salary tax in the late 90s, early 2000s. I mean, the difference between revenue and payroll was slim my friend and no one's saying you got to do that but at the same time i'm just hard pressed to think of a of a good solid reason why you why you can't shell out um a fraction of a percent well not that little but um some amount below what the standard average quantity of dollars for a team is right now the average amount of money spent on on a, on the 2021 roster is 118 million dollars and there's no reason you can't get to, I don't know, 80% of that. Right. And like, just to bring it back to another real world example, if you were, you know, looking at, you know, buying a car the way some people look at buying a business, uh, if you can't afford $1,000 a month in payments, you probably shouldn't be buying a Tesla. You should be buying, you know, a Honda or a Toyota where it's like, three four hundred dollars a month it's if you can't afford to run the team you can't afford to buy the team just because you have enough money to buy something doesn't mean you can afford to buy that thing i don't know why this is 
you know, amongst many other things. I don't know why this is such a wild conversation to have, such a wild, um, you know, discussion. But here we are. I should stop being surprised by the things I'm surprised by, is what it comes down to. Eh, should you be? I don't know anymore. World's a mess. Yeah. Um, for reference, the 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 Rays in 2019. Any guess as to what their revenue was as a team? Uh, wow. I don't even know where I would begin. No, I don't know. Give me, give me like a guess. Revenue for a baseball team. Um. Uh, I, I know it's in the millions of dollars. I'll say 50, 50 million. No, that wouldn't make any sense for revenue. Uh, 250 million. Much better guess. 264 million. Uh, whew, saved it. Holy shit. <laughs> I was like, well, if payroll is this revenue is probably not going to be less. That would not be a, a smart business venture in itself. In and of yeah, itself. So, if you if you combine together um, their uh, total 2019 payroll, mm-hmm. uh, including um, at their active payroll, their injured reserve money, their retained salaries, and their buried minor league salaries, uh, their payroll that season came in at 64.2 million dollars. So there wow. was 200 million dollars of difference between uh, their revenue. And their payroll. And again, I'm not saying that they got to get to like 250 million out of that 264 million. And obviously there's other expenses in there. They're going to have to pay for uh, the property tax on the the stadium. They're going to have to pay for all the front office employees, all the benefits, you know, travel expenses. I know there's other expenses with running a business, but I mean, player payroll was like 25% of their overall revenue. And it seems like that should be higher. Right. You look at any other business and how their, you know, their uh, revenue or their expense sheet breaks down. Labor is so far and away the largest of any other group. Like it is far and away any company's biggest expense, you know, with some exceptions. 25% 25% is very low for most companies, especially ones where the entire product of the company happens to be those players. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Milwaukee Brewers don't have, you know, a manufacturing plant that they have to pay for. They just have that pesky little labor force of theirs. That pesky little labor force of theirs. So what we're saying is baseball needs to become more Marxist. Got it. Uh, well, I mean, I mean, MLB already owns the means of production, I guess. So <laughs> they're already hey, pretty much there. We're just trying to seize it, man. That's all we're trying to do. <laughs> so what do you think the 20, I think this is 18. I'm looking at 2018 Dodgers uh, revenue was. Dodgers in 2018, if the Rays... We're 260, uh, 350, uh, $556 million. Oh, oh, oh. Fuck. That's a lot of money. 
That's, all that's a lot of money. That. Fuck. That's it's a lot of it's a lot of money. Um, their their payroll that year was two hundred million dollars. So which again forty percent significantly better. You know, much more in line with what should be expected to a degree. Um, but right, and that's so, all we're getting at. You know what I mean? Like like hey, if you take if you take that forty percent. All right, let, let, let's let's make sure we're being exact about it. Um, just to make sure that these numbers are on the up and up here. Uh, all right, so Dodgers. I'm gonna I'm rounding this number a little bit. It's it's like it doesn't matter. Uh, Two hundred million dollars, and their revenue in 2018 was 556 million dollars. So that's uh, call that 36 percent. Now the Rays revenue in 2019 was 264 million dollars mm-hmm. times their 36 that'd be 95 million dollars that's 30 million dollars more than they spent that's and if we're talking about the uh, the other expenses that teams have to pay like i said with the property tax and travel expenses la is mm-hmm. way more expensive <laughs> yeah la is way more expensive mm-hmm. than st petersburg florida like it's not even close now, if we extrapolated that to other teams, let's you know we can say thirty six percent. We can round it up to forty, however we want to do it. What would that leave a team like the Pirates or a team like the Padres? Where would that leave their payroll? Because I feel like you know the Pirates obviously would then be normalized, but I feel like a team like the Padres revenue to expense ratio. That's I feel like they are the way things stand now, almost overpaying in salary compared to what their revenues are. I feel like they would have an even higher percentage. All right, let's see. Let's see. Uh, All right. Uh, According to what I'm looking at here, we got... uh, $273 $273 million of revenue. Okay. So $273 million of revenue for the Pittsburgh Pirates times our 36% would be $98 million in payroll. So three times what they're paying now. Yes, that's what they're paying now. Let's see what their payroll was. Um, actually, I think this is 2020. So let me look at or 2019. Uh, so let's pull up the uh, Pirates 2019 payroll see what we're looking at here almost almost oh look they used to have players that's funny um 72 million dollars which that honestly would be uh oh I mean we got such an upgrade such an upgrade for from where they are right now because dear lord the pirates million right now. It's fucking. I mean, it's just gross. It's just gross. Like, think of, you know, they're going to win 40 something games next year, right? Give or take. Think of how many they'd be able to field with a normal sized team. It's not, you know, they're not going to be sniffing the playoffs, but God, they could. I mean, honestly, man, in their division. Yeah, it wouldn't With take right much players. for them to sniff the playoffs. Yeah, sniff the playoffs. Yeah, sure. Make the playoffs. 
it would take a a couple good signings, a couple good players, you know, on good deals. But at the same time, it's so significantly closer to being a reality than what it is now. Like there is a non-zero chance that with this $70 million price floor, they could put together a winning team a la, you know, the way the Rays did last year. Um, a la. Uh, now, the way things stand now, there is an absolute 0% chance. There is a non, non-zero chance of them making or even sniffing the playoffs. And, you know, I, I think the other part of it that, that gets lost, because it's, it's not like the Pirates would have gone out and signed um, uh, Anthony Rendon. Mm-hmm. To, to his, uh, what, nine-year, $270 million contract, whatever it was. It was a lot of money. Unless I, I they gave that was all right. of that, like, $40 million, $30 million difference to Rendon, which even then, that's probably definitely not enough. But still, you get the point. Right, right. And, and what I'm saying is that they wouldn't do that because the Pirates would still be bad. Um, mm-hmm. And I, they're, they're smart enough to know that, you know. Mm, but what... I, 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 I think they are. Because the other thing that I think, what I'm, what I'm trying to say is that, you know, your, your average, you know, quote unquote broke team mm-hmm. wouldn't go do that. The Rays wouldn't go out and sign Garrett Cole. Right. But it might incent the Rays to hang on to guys like Blake Snell. Mm-hmm. And it might actually incent some teams to call up their younger players. Because the way that we think about service time manipulation right now is it's to avoid the player, the young players getting paid, right? It's to keep an extra year of control to make sure that their salaries stay low. Well, signing extensions to younger players to buy out their ARB years would also be a cheap, affordable way for you to artificially increase your payroll to meet the minimum payroll requirement. So this might actually be a good way of teams paying younger players. And it's also a big reason of why not having a salary floor is beneficial to owners, not just for having to avoid having to have the big guys come to their team and have a quote unquote justifiable reason for doing that. But it's also so they don't have to pay their younger dudes. Well, if you do this, mm-hmm. you know, the Mariners might end up calling up their guys like Jared Kalenic or whatever, um, see how they are. Because if they're good, it's like, all right, great. We're going to give you um, a five-year, $10 million contract or a five-year, $50 million. $50 million would probably make more sense. Those latter RBs are usually pretty expensive. A five-year, $50 million contract, which gives us $5 million per year extra payroll to help chip away the difference between what we're spending today and what we need to be spending to meet the salary floor. It gives you cost-controlled years of a player. The player is happy because he's getting more money and a little bit of security. And if it doesn't work out in a more expeditious fashion, you can trade that player away to get some value out of him, um, knowing that you don't want to spend the money on him. And it might be a better way to go through some players like that. You know, we should talk about... I know this is a a tangent here, but we should talk about Jared Kalenic after this uh, and his recent contract offer and things like that but uh absolutely i think just yeah. the the flexibility teams would have the options teams would have would have with how they go about constructing their teams with you know 
an increase in, you know, younger players, the increase in value that your farm system would have. I think it, I think baseball as a whole would benefit exponentially compared to, you know, the investment these teams would be making. So I am a hundred percent all for it. Um, granted, I know we, both of us are hundred percent on board with absolutely anything that has a good chance of making baseball more fair, increase the parity, increase the amount of money that is invested. But uh, I think this would be a huge first step. Firm agree. Um, so let, let, let's, let's set our imaginary uh, floor at $85 million a year. Okay. So that means that we have uh, 12 teams, 12 teams that would be um, forced to raise their payroll by some amount. Mm -hmm. Okay. Our old, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Sum, total sum of payroll pre-salary floor was $3.558 billion for all 30 teams. It would then increase to 3 point. Sorry, this would be under the assumption that teams that are above the floor would not be adjusting their payrolls at all. They would stay what they are currently right okay right right everybody that uh, is currently in 2021 slot to be above it's a good it's a good point uh currently slot to be above payroll would stay there you could argue that players would shift because you know teams currently below payroll threshold would sign some guys who got signed to other teams i understand that but let's just treat those other ones as projections with a you know increase in um value of players kind of overall and take it from there, but that's a, that's a, that's a good point. Um, so anyway, three point five five eight bill trillion. Jesus Christ, uh, billion dollars. It will go up to three point eight one eight billion dollars. So there'd be a three hundred uh, two hundred and fifty billion dollar increase in payroll spread about spread across the um, uh, thirty teams, which two hundred and fifty billion. Might Sorry, million. Did I say billion? Million. You did. I just want to $260 million. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. Um, which might sound like a lot, but in reality, that is uh, $8.7 million per team. That's not a now, lot. Now, why am I breaking it down per team? Because um, MLB already does have revenue sharing. Um and the thing that bothers me about it is that in in 2018, which is the most recent year I have for it, every team received $118 million in revenue sharing. In 2018, not every team had $118 in payroll, $118 million in payroll. Now, I'm not saying every single one of those dollars is going to go towards that. Of course not. Again, I understand that businesses have other expenses outside of just personnel. Um, your employees are not your only expense when you run a business that is understood at the same time it's kind of wild that you could receive over a hundred million dollars in what is supposed to be a competitive balance adjustment and then still spend under 80 million dollars on players i feel like which that is, is where a... the source of the competitiveness comes from right i feel like that is such a huge aspect of this discussion that is so criminally under discussed 
because it's kind of like the the I don't want to say like black sheep or, or whatnot, but like it's it's something that none of the teams really want to bring up. Basically, that some teams fund the payroll for other teams, and those teams just straight up aren't utilizing it. Uh, I, I think part of it goes back to the fact that you know pro sports. You know, we talk about it with the NFL all the time, less so with baseball, but is absolutely still the case. Is it's a boys' club, and you know, owners of some teams aren't going to be dragging up shit about other teams just to just to make that point and just to you know bring that up in discussion because that's a, a bad look for you and your friends. But at the same time, here we are the rest of the fans, the rest of the people who are invested in this sport. And that's information we should be aware of. And it should be discussed when we are, you know, here talking about payroll and here discussing about team revenues and, and how they're underpaying players, you know, severely underplaying minor leaguers, things like that. Guess what? Like you have the money to do it. I hate hearing these excuses of, you know, we can't afford this. We can't afford that. Like it just doesn't work. Oh, like we're a small market team, this, that, 900 other things. The MLB, you know, as shit as they are, have done a lot to ensure that these teams can afford to implement actual honest to God rosters and, and can pay their players. It's just at this point where, the narrative is not quite there yet for some godforsaken reason. <laughs> We're just sitting here shaking our heads just in agreement. And it's just like, I, how else can we and say we're, it, you know? I'm, I've got an, I've got another thing to work us through real quick that will just have us shaking our heads further. Uh, you ready? Yeah. So another idea that I had, would be what if the MLB rolled up minor league pay into payroll? So that way, every every you know payroll as a whole would look a lot bigger and would be a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. But that way, teams could also spend money increasing minor leaguer wages and have that additional money be represented in team payroll so that they're so they could hit their floor commitment in a different way. And so let me work you through a little bit of the math on that. Because it was actually kind of interesting and very, very sad. So, as it stands right now, I was trying to dig into how many minor leaguers, affiliated minor leaguers, we have in baseball today. And the only thing I could find from Baseball America was in 2018, which was before the culling, of the minor leagues as you know, we lost about 40 teams um, this past off season, but uh, this bigger number, I think works pretty effectively to illustrate the point. So while this number is certain to be smaller now, um, because again, of the fewer teams, um, we can still take this as being uh, the standard because this would have been uh, the standard before this year and hopefully becomes the standard once again. So, um, Throughout all the various levels, pretty much each team has about um, five to seven minor league affiliates. Uh, and amongst mm-hmm. all those rosters, which share yeah. rosters with other teams within the rosters, because again, you know, you may be on the Yankees 40 man roster, but you're not on the Yankees. You're on the um, Trenton Thunder. Oh, I guess not the Trenton Thunder. Somerset anymore. The Somerset Patriots, Patriots or the. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm excited Shout about out that. Shout to, to my hometown minor league team. Me too. So excited for it. Um, it is Corin and and my um, hometown minor league team. Uh, so throughout all of the affiliated ball clubs in 2018, there was about 275 minor league players per team, which meant all together in affiliated minor league ball across 30 teams, you had 8,250 ball players. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, also in 2018, there was a pay increase for minor leaguers in which they were allowed to make $2,800 per month. Allowed. <laughs> Let's call it what it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> additionally, now that's not $2,800 a month for every month of the year because baseball is a seasonal employment opportunity. So I figured minor league ball typically takes place in a shortened season. It's not as long as regular season baseball is. So I have, I have it in there for about six months, which would get you through um, April, May, June, July, August, and September, uh, which is usually when the uh, minor league playoffs are and end so that they don't interfere with World Series playoffs. Naturally. So that means that per player, with your $2,800 per month, you were making $16,800 per year. About half what, you know, the new minimum wage would be. Yeah, that is, it is slightly higher than the federal minimum wage of seven twenty-five, and would be, as Corbin just said, uh, less than half or about half of what the new proposed $15 minimum wage uh, would be, which is really, really sad. Disgusting. Um, yep. So if you took that $16,800 and multiply that by all of the minor league players you have in affiliated ball, that's $138.6 million or per team, $4,620,000 or one mediocre bench guy, one Brett Gardner. (laughs) Yeah. Oh boy, that's just—it's so much fun, isn't it, Josh? Just breaking down these numbers no. and really getting the full picture of how fucking gross it all is. Oh, it's miserable. It—it is—it is miserable. So, let you know. Let's say. So let, let's hop back a little bit. Okay. The difference between. Um. Uh, Total total MLB payroll in uh, the non-salary floored version and the salary floored ver- salary floored version was two hundred and sixty million dollars. If you take that and just divvy that up per team, um, since you kind of expect with the revenue sharing some of that money to come from other teams and some of that uh, to to the more um, you know or the lesser advantage teams and then some of that money coming from the lesser advantage teams themselves. Um, that's $8.6 million per team. Again, right. It's, it's, it's really not much of a difference broken out like that. So if we took that additional pay per team and we broke that up into each player, so we took that $8.6 million and we divided it by uh, the number of players that we have in each minor league team. Again, that's $8.6 million per team. 275 minor leaguers per team 
that's $31,000 per player, which if you combine that with the $16,000 that they're already making, means that each minor leaguer would now be getting paid per year $48,284.51. Which is entry level for some teachers, but my goodness, such a huge increase. And based off of, you know, the timing of how the season breaks down, a completely plausible way for major leaguers to make a living playing baseball, which is by all means the goal of everything we're doing here. Right. No one, no one on $48,000 a year is dining out every night, but also depending on where you live in the United States and your situation and familially and your expenditures, no one on $48,000 a year is having to buy peanut butter in bulk no, no one has a single with no other expenses, 21 to 19 to 21 year old is having to buy peanut butter in bulk and white bread in bulk. And those are the only foods you eat for the entire year because that's all you can afford. Um, right. Obviously, you know, nobody's sleeping in, in, you know, dingy fucking bunk beds, eight guy room just to get by when you make enough to rent a by all means, you know, basic apartment, which, again, should not be too much to ask. No, I mean, you might get some MLB, some minor league ball players who could actually afford to, like, split rent with two or three roommates, um, you know, fellow ball player roommates at a, at a joint instead of being sponsored by people in the community like a lot of minor league ball players are today a lot of minor league ball players that get paid for real for real sixteen thousand dollars a year unless they work any side gigs oftentimes get put up in spare rooms in people's houses like like they're Mm -hmm. foreign exchange students right like it's ridiculous you know and something that has been a topic of discussion that we've had in the past that um i don't know if we've talked about much lately what i really truly don't understand from a baseball hey we're trying to put the best product we can on the field as you know a team why teams wouldn't want to pay minor leaguers more so they could afford to you know afford a gym membership can afford to eat enough food afford all of the basic necessities that would allow their bodies and themselves and their their minds even to perform at a higher level and and build up you know and become better athletes at the same time you know living off of the bare necessities the basic caloric intake you need in a day to physically not die doesn't exactly, you know, equate to the best possible professional athlete you can get. I don't understand why teams wouldn't understand that a incremental increase at that level wouldn't just equate to an exponential increase in performance and, you know, quality of their prospects throughout their minor league careers. Um, you know, we just talked about last week how uh, Fernando Tatis, you know, traded in a full percentage point at the very least of his entire professional contract in order to get a little bit money on the front end of his career so that he could afford to 
you know, work out with a trainer, be able to work out, you know, at a real facility, be able to invest in himself and those around him so he could be a better NFL player. I don't understand why MLB as a whole can't look at that and understand, hey, if we did this for all of our players, we would have a major competitive advantage against the teams that aren't both in you know, the physical on-field products, the, you know, health, safety, and performance of our players. And the fact that I guarantee a lot more people would be willing to sign, you know, minor league entry-level contracts with that team if they know they're going to be taken care of and don't have to worry about the bullshit that regular, you know, minor league baseball players have to deal with. That. It's crazy how, you know, teams with this much money invested in them cannot look at those, you know, investment opportunities and, you know, long-term investments and see the benefit that it would bring. And and that's why I think doing something like rolling up minor league pay into overall payroll um, and letting it be something that can affect the salary floor might be a good way to incent teams to actually spend more on them. Because if I'm, if I'm the pirates and I think I'm, if I'm any team and I think I'm going to be bad and because I'm going to be bad, I don't, I don't want to go get a big mm-hmm. free agent. Who's going to end up being unhappy here because we're going to be bad. Cause I just don't have the money to sign free agents for every position because nobody has that kind of money. Right. Um, I'm going to be bad this year. I know it. That's it's unfortunate, but it's going to happen. I mean, you know, all shoulders here. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, it, 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 it gives them a different avenue to put a little bit of extra money into a, to help avoid that salary floor and make it part of the business decision to treat my players better mm-hmm. in addition to just the, the moral decision. Now, obviously, like you just said, the business decision is also there because there have been numerous studies about the return on investment that comes with basic fucking human needs being met, like ability to get a good night's sleep, being well-fed, an athlete who eats, who defunk it. Um, but it, it also, you know, like as desperately as teams avoid the salary tax on the upper end it might not be as desperate of a of a want to avoid it on the lower end but we still would likely see some teams dishing out some additional cash to avoid having to face repercussions if i'm the raise and i get by on the draft even at mid to lower level picks because i'm always at least kind of good and that's my strategy and i want to hang on to that strategy i might start spending more money right. to maintain and, and- at least that part of my strategy to another extent, if you're a team like the Pirates where, you know, you know you're going to be bad for a long time, you know, you you see that you're quote-unquote investing as much as the Pirates, you know, can argue they're investing in something. Um, if you look at, you know, how their team's constructed, if you say, hey, we can't really, you know, afford to bring in any free agents right now, well, what if instead we, let's say, take all of the money we would invest in a, in a free agent to reach that floor? What if we instead invest that on signing prospects, international prospects, you know, uh, drafting guys that may not want to sign with us, but we just spend a, a whole ton of our money on whatever. However, the, the draft breakdown works with, you know, 
the the purse that you're allowed to sign prospects with. Regardless, spending money on younger guys in these minor leaguers. So say, hey, we can't do anything with you know a big name Anthony Rendon free agent now. If we invest in them for younger guys that are going to come up in five, ten years and be in their primes, then that'll give us an advantage when we are ready to compete. We can't spend our money now, but we can invest it for players in the future. I, I don't see why anyone could look at that and say, oh, shit, that's just the Pirates being the Pirates trying to avoid spending money on, you know, building their team up. Don't want to be competitive now. It's like, well, now we're sitting here with an honest to God plan for implementing this. And you can't really argue against it in the way that it's universally uh, argued against now with how this is being constructed. Right. And it's a similar situation. Like say you're the Arizona Diamondbacks. We're not going to be better than the Padres or the Dodgers for the foreseeable future. Mm -hmm. And that makes spending money on free agents kind of hard because could we still get that second wild card spot? Theoretically. Yeah. Um, But maybe we're not sure if we need to commit to that now or if we're a couple more seasons away from that. Well, I can dump my money into my minor league system mm-hmm. and that way I can either uh, get some prospects to help um, help the team win in the near future. And if not, I can trade them away to acquire the talent I'm looking for, which would artificially lower payroll by trading them away and then replacing them with guys who were cheaper in your farm system. Um, right. Or once that's done, I can start going out and actually buying some free agents, you know, signing some, some big name dudes in a couple of more seasons. Once I figure out kind of where I am situationally or just buy my time, like it, it works out well for both ends of it. Um, which of course means it's never going to happen. <laughs> like, absolutely. That's the frustrating thing is it's, you know, we, we could sit here and come up with uh, with a couple of criticisms for, um, for like hockey or basketball or football, and there's a decent chance. Like, you know, everyone railing on the NFL for um, concussions, rightfully so. And the NFL is, like, looking at different types of helmets and has released uh, uh, training videos to teams about how to better tackle to avoid uh, head injury um, and has instituted rule changes to avoid head-to-head contact. And while all this stuff, you know, can only do so much on its own, it's at least direct action that the league can take. The NHL, one of their biggest complaints is uh, uh, the offsides rule. You know, like, why isn't there a big vertical line? And I last I heard, the NHL was trying to look into a way to make that feasible. Um, because the idea is, like, if you have your right skate over the, the line into, the, into your offensive territory and you have your left skate um, in the defensive territory, but it's, like, up off the, the ice and, like, technically you're offsides and it's bullshit. It's stupid. That's why there should be a vertical, you know. I thought you were still talking about the NFL. And was like, at first I was like, is that something people have been concerned about? And I was like, I, yeah, I guess, you know, offsides gets called a lot. And it's not always clear. But, like, I didn't know it was, like, a big issue. But, no, the NHL makes significantly more sense. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the, the, but with baseball, it's like, you know, we're Corbin and I are excited. We're going to have a, a, a rule change draft. Um, in this upcoming episode on Thursday with Emily Nyman of the Breaking Balls podcast. Uh, we're really looking forward to some of those fun rule changes um, and Such seeing which version of our MLD too. comes out the best. Breaking, Breaking Balls or yeah. Emily Nyman? 
Yes. Yeah, that's a good name. Um, but it seems like all the rule changes MLB gives us are rule changes that nobody is wanting. Mm-hmm. The only rule change I've ever heard from the MLB that I actually kind of agreed with was the pitch clock. Everything else that they come out with is shit where it's like, who who came up with this? What problem is this solving that anybody had? Wait, uh, we're going to so. have to start extra inning games with a guy on second base to, to speed them up? It's like, how many like serious long like how many games that go into extra innings go into, you know, 12, 13, 14 innings where it's a major, major issue, like five a year, six a year. Like this is the rule that we're going to, you know, put all of our chips in this season. Really? Even then this... just be like, if they said we're starting a, a, a extra inning games with the runner on second after the 12th inning, I'd go, ah, all right. Sure. Like, yeah. Kind of right. late. Yeah, I love, you know, games that go to like 20 innings like those are always super fun and, and, you know, unique. But sure, I get that nobody wants to play a four hour baseball game, you know, the, the strain it puts on players. Yeah, okay, there's a, a certain injury risk there that we could be limiting. Bullpen decimation. Right. Like I can understand why you would want to do that. Sure. But all right, I don't want to start talking about these kind of rule changes because that will be the right yeah, no, we're just gonna work ourselves up into a whole different frenzy um <laughs> wow. i do love I, how we um, we sit here and we know when we're gonna work ourselves up it's just gonna be a whole mess and then oftentimes we do it anyway yeah yeah we're we're, we're uh we can predict the future and we can't prevent it from 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 not happening we we know ourselves well enough to know what we're going to do regardless of how we feel about it um last point in topic that uh, to kind of fit into into this um before we go because i'm actually surprised we spent the full hour talking about this i told corwin that what i had prepared i did not think was enough for an episode and it has been it has been over an hour (laughs) so clearly what i had was enough for an entire episode (laughs) um in case you're new to this podcast i have no faith in myself and neither should you um but you wanted to loop back to uh jared kalenic uh in this whole mess um, what what about him specifically did you want to address to the crowd? So what I had heard was that he was offered a six-year, $24 million contract by the Mariners, which would allow him to start on the opening day roster, which would allow him to, you know, come up in the major leagues, avoid, you know, arbitration in the coming years, avoid the minor leagues this year, basically start his MLB career, but he would still have you know, a six-year contract, $8 million a year, if he lives up to the hype that he has now as, you know, a top, I'd say top three prospect in baseball right now, top five at the very least, you know, he could be underpaid for a couple of years and he turned the contract down saying he would want to bet on himself. He wanted to, you know, go through arbitration, go through and, and see if he could earn a better contract, you know, make more money that way. And I just wanted to talk about, you know, what were your thoughts on the matter, what you would have done in this situation, whether or not you think that would be a financially prudent move uh, looking ahead. The six-year, $24 million contract? Yes. Whether or not you should have taken it, no. whether or not you would have taken it, whether and you know, what your thoughts are on the matter. $4 million a year? $8 million a year? No. Is it four? 
Absolutely. Like six years, $24 six million? Six years, $24 million. Yeah. Okay. I'm real bad at math, guys. I don't know if like, you know this. <laughs> like, look, look, you know, we, 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 I brought up the Aaron Judge thing last week or last episode when we were looking at the Tatis contract and trying to figure out how much mm-hmm. he was losing theoretically if he had gone through his arbiters and then sought a contract afterwards by looking at the Aaron Judge stuff. And the two most recent seasons of Aaron Judge's contract, uh, he was gonna he's gonna be making a little over ten million dollars this year and a little bit over eight million dollars last year, if I recall correctly. Last year being prorated and blah blah blah. Um, that's $18 million in two years. I, 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 he's not saving. He's just losing money doing that. He's going to be getting some on the front end, but what he would make an arbitration um, and combined with what he'd be able to make after he actually like, he's not with Tatis $24 million AAV. Mm-hmm. Could he be getting more than that? Going after, into his third season? I know. I mean, I mean, after after if, if he had gone through arbitration and was going to potentially hit okay. the, the open market, could he have gotten to like you know 30, 35? Sure. The difference between $24 million and $30 million, fuck man, that's a lot of money. You know, it might not be it might be worth giving up for that a little bit extra security. Um we're talking about for Jared Kalenic, the difference between $4 million and anywhere between 16 and $25 million. He'd be losing so much money for an organization that is perfectly willing to fuck him to save a little bit, as was stated by Kevin Mather. Mm-hmm. So he would be making some extra cash on uh, up front. The minimum salary for the MLB is like $600,000. So for those first three seasons two seasons he'd be making you know like five or six seven times that nah probably six the minimum salary is probably gonna go up a little bit um six times that wow but i mean he's just he's just losing money on the back end by by a lot by like a decent amount um it's just not to his benefit so apparently according to uh jerry depoto the contract offer itself did not come with the stipulation that he would be guaranteed a spot on the 40 man roster. So they would still fuck with his service time. Well, I guess the service time wouldn't matter if you signed a new contract. I I don't understand how people are upset that um, this is, this is an issue. Like I, I, I really don't understand this. Wow. This is insanity. That's fucking nuts. I hate that this is a discussion. And now the Mariners oh, are man. coming That's back. Like, oh, it was communicated that if he signed this contract, he would have debuted last year, things like that. Oof. But, like, that's still not a good response because what you're saying is, like, either he played ball with us or he wasn't going to play ball with us. And it's like, that's not – that shouldn't be right. That shouldn't be how it's allowed to work. Like that, that that's just openly saying we're we're committing um uh fucking service time manipulation in, in slightly different words, and it's still a terrible look. Either he signs our contract or we're fucking with his money, fucking mm-hmm. with the service time, fucking with and- his career, it's still not right. 
See, I was smart. I muted myself before I ripped this mic out of my uh, my shirt this time. Um, I mean, look at what the White Sox did with uh, Jimenez and, and Robert, or Robert. I forget the actual pronunciation that we always got wrong last Robert, year. Robert, I think you're. I think you're right. Um, before either one of them debuted, which you know Jared Kalenic has not yet done, they were given contracts of six years, forty-three million dollars for Jimenez, and Robert signed a six-year, fifty million dollar contract before either of them debuted, both of which were, you know, on equal footing with Kalenic as prospects. Um, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where we're sitting here. I don't think either of us have come up with a single reason for why this would be a smart decision to sign this contract, why this is, would be considered a fair contract signing. But yet here we are, you know, still having to debate it. Oh, there is no debate. There is, there's only greed, my friend down with the system, Uh, man. Yeah. Uh, anything else before we get out of here, I guess? Um, yeah, we have uh, five other topics here to discuss, so let's get started. We'll make this a two and a half hour podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It's not happening. No, I am. Not not today. All right. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do so at JuicingPod. If you want to hit us up via email, you can do so at JuicingNumbers at gmail.com. Next, uh, next episode, Thursday episode, again, we have Emily Nyman from Breaking Balls Podcast on. Check it out. It's going to be fun. We're really excited about it. But uh, until then, y'all have a good one. Bye.